You are listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. We want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus, and we hope that this helps you do just that. Good morning, New Spring, across all of our campuses. It's April. It's also Palm Sunday. I wanna wish you a very happy Sunday from all of us here at New Spring. If I've never met you, I'm Clayton King, one of the pastors here. And you know, as well as I do, Easter is next weekend. And I wanna encourage you right off the bat, be thinking about who you can invite with you next weekend so that we can celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If there's no resurrection, we have nothing to hope in, but because Jesus is raised, that means he's alive and that means that we have hope. So invite somebody to church with you next Sunday as you wear your pastels and your new Easter outfit, somebody. All right. Well, hey, we're in this series that I get to wrap up today called The Gospels. And we've looked now at Matthew and Mark and Luke. And today I'm batting clean up and I get to talk about the fourth gospel, which is the gospel of John. Now, let me set it up this way as we look at John's big idea, who he was and what he wants us to get out of his gospel. If you were just dropped down into planet earth and you had never watched the movie Rocky ever before, how many of you have watched the movie Rocky or Rocky 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, Creed 1, 2, and 3, all the Rocky spinoffs. You know, some of y'all may remember Ivan Drago. You might remember Clubber Lang. Uh, you might remember Tommy Gunn. But if you had never seen Rocky and you just plopped down on the couch and somebody played the movie Rocky, you would figure out pretty quickly, this is a movie about boxing. It's pretty simple. If you had never been to South Carolina in April, and someone just dropped you out of a spaceship into South Carolina in April. It would take you about eight seconds flat to realize April in South Carolina is about one thing, pollen, Zyrtec. You would immediately figure out what April is about in South Carolina. The same is true for the Gospel of John. If you just open up your Bible and you start in John chapter one and you read it all the way to the end of the book of John, you will realize what this book is about. It's about this one thing, this one word, believe. Matter of fact, when uh, I got the assignment to preach on this today, I went and read the whole gospel of John straight through. I've read John before, I've preached from John for 36 years as an evangelist, but as I read through the book of John again, I started to see this theme develop, and it was so clear that John had this one thing he wants us to see, and that's what we're gonna look at today as we unpack the Gospel of John. I get to summarize the Gospel, I also get to humanize John as a person. I want you to see that the one thing John wants for us the one thing John wants for you, it's the same thing that Jesus wants for you. John wants us to believe in Jesus. That's what John wants. He wants us to believe in Jesus. So when you read the book of John, you realize this word believe keeps popping up over and over again. About a hundred times 
In John's gospel, you see this word, the, the real word is pastuo. And we translate this to believe or belief over a hundred times. In the New Testament, the word believe is used about 250 times and a hundred of those times are right here in John's Gospel. Now, you may know a few things about John as a person. Just a little bit of information about him. He was one of the 12 disciples. Now, he's different than John the Baptist. John the Baptist is another key figure, but this is John the disciple. We know that John identifies himself. I love this. He calls himself, when he writes the gospel, the disciple that Jesus loved. Isn't that special? He's writing a story about Jesus and he just kind of throws in there, oh, and by the way, Jesus loves everybody, but he loves me in a special kind of way. You know what is cool about that though? Let me show you this about Jesus. Jesus loves us so well. Jesus loves us so perfectly. Jesus cares about you so authentically that every single person in the, within the sound of my voice right now, if you will believe in Jesus, you'll feel his love so intimately that you too can feel like you're the person that Jesus really loves. It's a personal love. It's a kindness. It is a, a kind of love that nobody else can give you. John was, we believe, I love this, the youngest of all 12 of the disciples. That's what church tradition says. But we also believe from church tradition, he was the oldest disciple, the last of the 12 to die. Church tradition says he lived to be about 98, to be about 98 years old. So while all of the other disciples have been martyred for their faith, they've lost their lives at the hands of the Roman Empire, John, really believed in Jesus. So at the end of his life, if you can just imagine, John, who spent time with uh, Jesus as a disciple, one of the three in his inner circle, Peter, James, and John, John had probably heard of or read or seen uh, Matthew's version of the gospel. It had been circulating, maybe even verbally or in written form. And he's probably an old man now. He's also heard Mark's gospel. He's potentially read Luke's gospel. And here's John, who believed in Jesus so much. And as an old man, he's thinking to himself, there are some things I saw Jesus do. There are some miracles I saw Jesus perform. There are some things that I don't want the world to forget. So as I am an old man approaching the end of my life, I wanna take the time I've got left and I wanna make one big point that I want people to believe in Jesus and I'm gonna offer reasons why they should. I'm gonna tell stories about his power. I'm gonna show how kind he was. I'm gonna recall and I'm gonna recite and I'm gonna refresh people's memories of the miracles he did and the lives he changed and the way that he treated people. Tradition tells us that John was not martyred for his faith, but that a Roman Caesar named Domitian wanted John to recant his faith in Jesus. And when he refused to do it, they boiled him in oil and he survived. And then he was exiled to an island called Patmos where he lived out the rest of his days. And on that island, he also wrote the book of Revelation. John had a lot to say about Jesus, but I want you not to just think of this as a historical document. 
I wanna show you today how believing in Jesus changes your life. I wanna show you how believing in Jesus not only makes your life better, but gives you perspective for eternity. I wanna show you how believing in Jesus can change your Sunday morning and can change your Saturday night. I wanna show you how believing in Jesus gives you hope for eternity when our world continues to look more and more hopeless almost by the hour. I wanna show you how believing in Jesus can help set you free from an addiction to alcohol that you can't break. I wanna show you how believing in Jesus can give you hope for that baby that you're about to deliver when you might be afraid of the days to come. I wanna show you how believing in Jesus can give you hope if you're confined to a wheelchair because you know that eternity is coming and Jesus will be there. I wanna show you how when you believe in Jesus, even though you may have been divorced or your relationship may have ended or you've had your heart broken, there is a Jesus, a God in the flesh who has defeated death and by believing in him, you know that you're gonna live forever for eternity with Jesus and his people. This will give you hope, this will give you faith, this will let you carry on. All right, now I'm warmed up. Y'all ready? I gotta cover the whole Gospel of John in 26 minutes. You think I can do it? I'm like a mosquito at a nudist colony. Where do I even start? My wife is on the front row and she's like, why, why did I marry him? I, I, don't, I don't know. All right, number one, here we go. John wants us to believe that Jesus is the son of God. He wants us to believe that. He wants us to believe that Jesus is fully man and fully God, but there is a phrase here that John uses, son of God. I wanna show you what that means, but I wanna show you the scripture where this is made so crystal clear. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Here is what John records. Jesus performed many other signs, very important word in John's gospel, in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. And he says in verse 31, but these were written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life in his name. I love it when somebody is just clear. I, I mean, I'm 50, I'm a guy. I just want people to tell me what the, what, what's the point. Like, get to the point, bottom line it for me. And at the, toward the end of his, of his letter, of his book, of his gospel, of his good news, of his record of the life of Jesus, he basically says this. I'm telling y'all all these stories because I want you to believe that Jesus is the son of God. And by the way, on the other side of that faith, guess what you get? Eternal life. On the other side of believing in Jesus as the Son of God, you get the promise that no matter what happens in this world, you can endure anything when you have planted your feet firmly on the foundation of a faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the Son 
of God. Now, what does that phrase even mean? Well, I want you to understand the Son of God is equality with God. That means that Jesus is fully man, fully God, but when he comes as the Son of God, he comes as the representation of all that God is. He comes as the flesh and blood proof that God doesn't just love us from outer space. God is willing to get down here on this planet, in the dirt, the muck, the mire. He's willing to get his hands dirty. He's willing to get involved in my broken life. He's willing to help you get over the brokenness that mars your past. He's not just shouting orders from heavenly headquarters. He says, I love you so much, I'm gonna come and see you. You know your best friends are the ones that can just pop in, right? Your best friends are the ones that just show up. Now, I grew up old school country on the farm, and we had these friends that would just show up at supper time. And my mom and my dad, we knew who these people were, and I figured out pretty, uh, pretty young that there were certain friends who timed it just right. They timed it just right. My dad worked a blue-collar job, showed up from work every day at 5.15 on the dot. And my mom, I kid you not, at, this is one of the most vivid memories of my life. As soon as my dad pulled in the driveway at 5.15 in his black Ford F100, three on the, on the column, get out of the truck, my mom was putting supper on the table as my dad walked in. And about once a week, one of these three different groups of friends would just show up around 5.20. And my daddy would say, well, here they come. And my mom would say, better pour another cup of water in the beans. And that just meant we may not have enough for everybody, but we're gonna do our best to share. The best friends that know you the best are the ones that come and see you. That's what the Son of God did. He came not to just see us, he came to save us. He came to save you. He's not just observing your life. He actually cares about your job. He cares about your family. He cares about your physical health. He cares about your emotions. The Son of God represents God as an ambassador to the world. As a matter of fact, the, this phrase, Son of God, means that Jesus had all of God's authority, it means that he had all of God's attributes. It means that he had all of God's characteristics. It means that he never ceased for one second to be God the whole time he was here on earth. The whole time as he's ministering to people, as he's raising the dead, as he's healing the sick, as he's caring for the broken, he was fully God, fully man, representing God and bringing his kingdom to earth. That is what John wants us to see. And how does John go about proving that in his gospel? Signs. This is a word that you see right there in verse 30. John uses the word signs to describe some of Jesus' miracles. Because John wants us to believe in Jesus, John offers proof, so he calls witnesses. That's what John does, it's his writing style. John is the most poetic of the four gospels. John writes in layers, he uses symbolism, he uses numbers, he uses motifs like light and darkness. You'll see that over and over again in John's gospel. John mentions seven signs specifically to prove that Jesus is the son of God. I'll just mention them right here briefly. First of all, the first sign, he turns water to wine in Cana of Galilee. The second sign that Jesus is not just 
a man, but he's the God-man. He heals an official's son. The third sign that we can believe in Jesus, he heals a paralytic. The fourth sign that Jesus is the son of God is he feeds 5,000 men plus their families in Galilee. The fifth sign that we can put our faith in Jesus is that he suspends the laws of gravity and he walks across the surface of the water out onto the Sea of Galilee where his disciples are in a boat. The sixth sign that we can see and put our faith in Jesus, he heals a man not just that was blind, but a man that was born blind and had never sinned, uh, never seen. And then the seventh sign that Jesus is the Messiah, he goes into Bethany, he walks up to a tomb, he says, remove the stone. He calls a man named Lazarus, one of his closest friends, out of a tomb, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. These are seven signs that John calls as witnesses. I love a good courtroom drama. I love it. I got sucked into all the stuff that's been going on right here in South Carolina. Even recently, it seems like the whole country's been looking at South Carolina and the courtroom drama that has unfolded. So whether it's a John Grisham novel or a Tom Cruise movie or a few good men, I want you to imagine we're all in a courtroom and John says, I am going to convince all of you that Jesus is the son of God and I'm calling witnesses. And these witnesses are signs when you see these signs, they tell you that you can put your faith fully, totally, completely in Jesus. The second thing that John wants us to believe in, he wants us to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. This is a big part of John's gospel. I've mentioned the story to you already, but let's read a few verses from John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus. John 11 verses 21 through 27, this is what happens when Jesus presents himself as the resurrection and the life. Then Martha said to Jesus, Martha is Lazarus' sister. She said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Your brother will rise again, Jesus told her. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection. At the last day, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Now watch, the one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. Four times, rapid succession, believe, 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 believe. John is not even hiding his purpose. He is telling this story so that we might believe, but he's not just asking us to have blind faith. He then goes on to tell what Jesus did, that Jesus walks up to the tomb unafraid of death and exercises all of God's authority over death and calls Lazarus out. But one small detail in this sign that John gives us is that Lazarus had not been dead one day, not two days, not three days. He'd been dead four days. What does that mean? Four days dead. 
In the Jewish tradition, they believe that when a person died, in some way there was this old belief that their spirit hovered near their body for three days. So that on the fourth day, Lazarus wasn't just dead, he was really, really, really dead. He wants to remove all doubt that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. What does that mean for us though? If John wants us to believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, what does that mean for you? Here's what it means for me. Here's what it means for you when we believe this about Jesus. It means that when your relatives are sick, you can believe that either Jesus will heal them right now or Jesus will heal them in eternity. That's a real belief. That's not just pie in the sky. It means that when you're you're watching your parents get old and you're watching your parents age, I went through this. I hung out with a guy on uh, Tuesday who's lost both of his parents in less than a year. And he's stuck in that, in that really difficult place, probate court and paying for bills. And I was able to tell him, look, look, man, I went through the same thing that you went through a few years ago. I watched my parents get old. I watched my parents get sicker and sicker. And then I watched my parents die. But when you believe in Jesus, there is hope beyond the moment because you know if they know Jesus, you will see them again. And they'll also not just be your mom and dad, they'll be your brother and sister in the new heaven and the new earth. That's a firm faith that we can sink our our feet into. We can stand on that kind of belief. When you believe that Jesus is the resurrection of the life, it means that when we watch our friends and our brothers and sisters in other countries be persecuted for their faith, we have a belief that that persecution, even if it ends in death, is not the end of them that they will be resurrected too. It means that when we see people who are oppressed, when we see people who it seems as if life isn't fair to them, there is a belief deep in your heart. Jesus makes everything right. Jesus has already defeated death. I know that one day I will defeat death too by the cross and one day I will be with Jesus. And folks, look, that's not just Sunday school truth that I'm trying to pour out in front of you. I'm telling you, this works. This changes your life. This changes how you live, changes how you see people, changes how you think about your money, changes how I give my time and my treasure. When we believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, we are, we are joining in with the resurrection power that the Son of God put on display, not just at Lazarus' tomb, but at his own tomb when Jesus was raised from the dead. Number three, John wants us to believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. This is good news. This is John 14, five and six. Jesus has just finished telling his disciples, promising them, hey, I'm gonna gonna die and then I'm gonna be raised from the dead. I'm gonna go to heaven and I'm gonna prepare a place for you. I'm, I'm gonna make a home for you so that where I go, you can be. And then Jesus says, and you know the way. And I love Thomas because you never have to wonder what Thomas is thinking in the Bible. If he's confused, he just pipes up and asks the question. And I love what Pastor Dan says sometimes. He's like, one time Thomas questioned Jesus and now everybody calls him Doubting Thomas. I relate to Thomas because in verse five, Thomas has no clue what Jesus is talking about. And so he pipes up, raises his hand. Hey, Jesus, Lord, Thomas said, we don't know where you're going. You're talking about building a house for us. Where are you going? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father 
except through me. Jesus wants us to believe in him because he is the way to God. He's the way to heaven. He's the way to eternal life. Jesus is more powerful than any government, than any form of government. He is more powerful than any system that's ever been created. He is more, he is more loving than any mom or dad you could ever put on display. Jesus has the authority to say, if you really wanna know how to be saved, if you really wanna know how to get to God, Look, good news, you don't have to be perfect, you don't have to earn it, you don't have to work for it, you just have to believe in me. Church, I'm gonna tell you, for you, that's good news. That's really good news for your life. That changes how you wake up on a Monday morning and go to work. Because when you know Monday morning, you didn't sleep good, your back hurts, you woke up a couple of times, your allergies are driving you crazy, you got a lot on your mind, you're worried about your kids, you're concerned about the finances, you watched a little too much TV this past week, you scrolled a little too much on Instagram, maybe you looked at too many posts on Facebook and you're worrying about all the things in the world that are going on, wars and rumors of wars and the environment and politics and the economy and, and you've got too much, you wake up on Monday morning, you're tired, you don't feel like you can face the day or the week. You know what you get to do? You get to out loud say, but you know what? I believe in you, Jesus. You're the way. So this week when I don't know what to do, I'm gonna trust in you because you know the way. You'll guide me. You'll tell me how to spend the money. You'll tell me what to do in this situation. You're also the truth. So when I'm listening to all the voices in the world that are telling me everything and all the opinions and all the talking heads and I've watched too much MSNBC or too much Fox News or too much Facebook and I've got too many ideas rolling around in my head, I know that when I don't know who I can trust, I can trust you, Jesus, because you're the truth and you'll never lie to me. Oh, and by the way, Jesus, I believe you're the life. So whatever my life looks like today, your life is greater than the one you've promised me. Whatever struggles I'm going through, I can make it because you give me life. It changes every conversation. It changes the way that you think about the situation when your kid may have Maybe they've walked away from the Lord. Maybe they're deconstructing. Maybe they're living a lifestyle that you don't agree with. And instead of freaking out, you can say, you know what, Jesus, I believe in you so much. The way, the truth, and the life, this is in your hands. I'm gonna trust you with it. Here you go, Jesus. And you know what the good news is about really believing in Jesus? You get to give him those cares and concerns, not just one time, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. That's what real belief is. It's not just, look, it's not just I believe in Jesus one time and I'm done. This is not one and done faith. This is daily faith. This is minute by minute faith. This is every day, my life is hard, my friends are struggling, my family has problems. This is everyday belief in Jesus that you can keep coming back to. Because just as Jesus never runs out of patience for us, the faith that we have in Jesus is a gift that God gave us, so your belief doesn't have to run out. As a matter of fact, the more we go to Jesus when we're broken and weak, the stronger our belief in him comes. Because at some point, you just realize Jesus is really all I got. I'm putting all my eggs in the Jesus basket. And can I just go on record right here at church and say, I I've done that? All my eggs are in his basket, every single one. I believe in Jesus so much, I've spent the last 36 years of my young life telling people they should believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus so much 
that I have put my eternity in his hands. I believe in Jesus so much that I will stand up here today and tell all of you, you need to believe in Jesus too because it's better than anything you could ever accomplish or achieve on your own. I believe it that much. Because here's the deal, y'all, and we all know it. You can believe in something and then you can really believe in something. I've used this example before. Every year at the beginning of football season, I stand up here on this stage at New Spring and I say, I believe, I believe that the Dallas Cowboys are gonna win the Super Bowl this year. I don't really believe that. I hope. And then my hope is dashed against the rocks every single year. But when I stand here and I look into that red light on that camera at all 14 of our campuses at New Spring and watching online, and I tell you, I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he is resurrected from the dead, that he is coming back, and that your soul is secure and safe in his hands for eternity, I really believe that. And I want you to believe that because it's the best thing you could ever do with your life. There's one more thing that John wants us to believe, and I can't skip this one. He wants us to believe that Jesus came to save the world, the whole world. The the word there is cosmos, the whole world. That every man, woman, boy, and girl, that every tribe, tongue, and nation, that everyone with brown skin, black skin, white skin, that everyone from every language group, that everyone from every continent has the freedom, the ability, the opportunity to be saved if they will believe in Jesus. And this is one of the big themes. Starts early in John's gospel. In the third chapter, John tells a story about a guy named Nicodemus. You've probably heard John 3.16, but there's a context to John 3.16. And the context is that there was a religious man who believed in God. But look, there's a difference. You know this, you can believe in something with your head and it never migrate to your heart. Nicodemus believed in God. He was trained. He was a ruler of the Pharisees. He had religious knowledge, but he didn't have an intimate heart belief. But He was curious about Jesus. And so he comes to Jesus late at night. And he knocks on the door, I presume, and he has a conversation with Jesus. And he basically asks Jesus this question. Are you one of the prophets? God's gotta be with you. Are you the Messiah? It's my job to come and investigate because I've gotta go back to Jerusalem and tell all of my fellow Pharisees who you are. Can you tell me how you do the miracles that you do? And Jesus basically says to him, "Uh, listen, you need to be born again. You need to be saved, Nicodemus. Here's a religious man that's got it all together and Jesus says to him, you need to be saved. Look at how Jesus encapsulates the truth of this particular story in verses 16 and 17. He says it so clearly. For God so loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. God doesn't wanna condemn you. That's good news for you today, church. It's good news for me today. When you believe that God's heart toward you is love 
and not judgment, it changes the way you treat other people. It changes the way you see other people. If I wake up every day and I think God's out to get me, then I'm gonna live in fear and shame. But when I wake up every day and I believe that God loves me and that Jesus didn't come to condemn me but to save me, I'm gonna be filled with more joy. You're gonna have more happiness. You're not gonna freak out every time something goes wrong. You know why? Because you believe something. What do you believe? Jesus is good and Jesus has got me. Jesus is good and Jesus has got me. So if the deal fell through, Jesus has got me. If the marriage is on the rocks, Jesus has got me. If my heart just got broken, Jesus has got me. If we've tried to conceive, Jesus has got me. If we lost another child to miscarriage, as hard as it is, Jesus has got me. Jesus has got me. And everybody can know this salvation. That's why at New Spring Church, we say it all the time. We want everybody, everyone, no matter who you are, we want everyone everywhere to have an everyday relationship with Jesus. And I just look back over the gospel of John and I think about the people. I think about the people that Jesus saved. He saved Nicodemus from his religion. In John's gospel, he saved a Samaritan woman because she was broken and alone. In John's gospel, he saved an official son, a dad who was desperate for his son to be healed. He he saved a lame man at the pool of Bethesda and gave him the ability to walk. He he saved his disciples from drowning on the Sea of Galilee. In, In John's gospel, Jesus saved a woman who literally was about to be stoned to death because some religious leaders caught her in the act of committing adultery with a man she wasn't married to and Jesus saved her from certain death. He saved a man born blind by giving him his sight back. He saved Lazarus from death and brought him back to life and brought him back to his sisters. He saved Thomas from his doubts and even goes so far in John's gospel to save Peter from his shame when Peter had rejected Jesus and denied him before his crucifixion. Jesus is in the saving business. Jesus saves people, Jesus saves relationships, Jesus saves marriages, Jesus can save you from addiction, Jesus can save you from fear, Jesus can save you from the depression that has crippled you, Jesus can save you from the anxiety that follows you around everywhere you go, Jesus can set you free from your anger, Jesus can save you from always assuming the worst, and he can help you believe the best, but you gotta believe in him. And you gotta do more than say it with your mouth and think it with your head. It's really as simple as just opening up your heart. You know the first step to believing in Jesus? Tell him you believe in him. Tell him you believe in him. That's the first step. And that's how I want us to respond today. I'm gonna ask you to open your hearts as you close your eyes at every campus. I'm gonna ask you right now, do you need to believe in Jesus right now? Is it time for you to believe in Jesus right now? As a Christian, maybe you need to believe again. As a Christian, maybe you need to just recommit to say out loud, Jesus, I've doubted you, but I believe in you. I don't understand it all, but I believe in you. I still, some of you have been walking with Jesus for decades and your heart's grown cold and your relationship has gone stale. And maybe today you just need to say to Jesus again, I still believe in you, Jesus. I still believe in you. I've had doubts and disappointments, but I still believe in you, Jesus. And maybe you've been frustrated because he hasn't answered a prayer you've prayed for a long, long time. 
and you just need to say to Jesus, I don't know what you're up to, but I believe in you. I know you got me. I know you're good. I know you got me. I still believe in you, Jesus. Or maybe for the first time ever in your life, you need to believe for real for the first time and be saved. And if that's you, I wanna tell you how. I wanna make it as plain as day. Tell him you believe in him in prayer right now. That's your first step to salvation. You can tell him right where you sit. Pray this to him in your heart because Jesus of Nazareth is alive and he's here in the room with you. I know you feel him, so talk to him. Tell him this right now. Jesus, just pray it to him in your heart. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're alive. I believe you love me. So I ask you to save me. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I put my faith in you, Jesus. Help me. I love you. Now with your eyes closed and your hearts open, I'm gonna ask everyone at all of our campuses to stand to your feet right now. Everybody together. Multiple ways we're gonna respond right now. Our prayer teams are gonna start moving in the room. Prayer teams, go ahead and start taking your places. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus and you said to him, I believe in you, I want you to respond by finding the cross. We have an actual cross in your room. It's big, wooden, it should be prominent. I want you to find that cross. And when I pray here in just a second, while, I, while I'm praying, I want you to go to that cross. And one of our ministry members, one of our ministry team, they're gonna be there to talk to you and help you understand. Now that you believe in Jesus, what do you do? We wanna help you take your next step. If you just prayed that prayer to, to, to believe in Jesus for real, that's the first thing I wanna ask you to do. Go to the cross as soon as I start praying here in a second. If you're a Christian and you know Jesus, I want you to express that belief by taking communion today. That's why we offer it every Sunday. I want, I, want, I want you to line up to take communion at the communion stations in your room. We commemorate the body of Jesus in the bread and the blood of Jesus in the cup, broken and shed for us so that we might be saved. And if you're a Christian, we wanna invite you to come and take communion. We also wanna invite you to pray. We've got ministry teams everywhere, all across your room. If you need prayer for healing, if you need a miracle, if you, if you need to rededicate your life, if you need just help, just go find one of our prayer team members and they'll pray with you right here on the spot. You can respond by giving either online or as you leave at the give boxes, or you can respond right where you are by worshiping. Maybe during worship, you just wanna lift up your hands and just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I still believe in you today. I believe you're everything you said you were. Father, I pray in Jesus' name while people are standing right now that, that people would put action to their belief and that those who prayed to receive Christ would begin to move right now to the cross in their room and that people would come and take communion and express their belief tangible ways. And I pray that people would believe in prayer enough that they would come and pray with a brother or a sister. And we all believe in you enough, Jesus, to lift our hands in worship and lift our voices in praise. Thank you that we can believe by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Spring Church Podcast. Make sure to visit our website at newspring.cc for more content, including videos, articles, and devotionals to help you have an everyday relationship with Jesus. Or plan a visit to one of our campuses across the state of South Carolina.